Hello, everybody, and welcome to yet another exciting episode of Views on View. I am Steve Edwards, the host with the face for radio and the voice for being a mind, but I'm still your host. I'm flying solo on the panel today, and with me, my special guest coming all the way from Nigeria is Uche Azubuko. Did I get that right? Uh, you did, Edward, you did. Thanks for having me, Very good. Oh, you're welcome. So where I'm at, it is about 30 degrees and snowing like crazy here in the town and up on the mountain, which is great for us skiers. Uh, how's it where you at? Pretty warm? <laughs> or... Well, it's nice over here. It's about 8 p.m. here. Oh, okay. All right. So I'm assuming you're not getting much snow in Nigeria? <laughs> no snow at all. Where I am, no at snow least. at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uche is a view enthusiast and uh, and uses it both for work and uh, as part of uh, outside of work. So I'm going to let him give his background. So why don't you tell us uh, who you are, tell us about your development background and and how you use view uh, at work and, and outside of work. Uh, all right. So I am a software engineer at One Liquidity. Uh, so I'm part of the awesome team at One Liquidity that is building a single solution stack for businesses to access liquidity, technology, and licensing covers so that their founders can focus on innovation, scalability, and customer acquisition. Along with that, I'm a co-organizer at Vue.js Nigeria. So monthly, we hold um, sessions wherein uh, various view uh, enthusiasts around the country come along to share their experiences and we live with lessons learned. Uh, along with that, I am passionate about teaching and for that, I'm a STEM educator, right? I'm also passionate about advocacy for women in tech, SDG4 goals, SDG5 goals. And um, with that, I'm, uh, founder, I'm the founder of HathRivescape. So HathRivescape is a community that I started last year wherein I provide I provide an enabling environment for the girl child to um, embrace the superpowers of being builders and creators by introducing them to programming skills and and them um, things around tech. So, her uh, Thrivescape is basically just to help women get involved in view development. Yeah, essentially the girl child. Yeah, no, okay, not, not so just view you... development though. Oh, but okay. things are on tech, so front-end development, back-end development, um, DSAs, product designing. For now, there is full-fledged uh, involvement regarding things on the front-end development, since that's where I personally also focus on. Okay. So what, are, is there, what other front-end tools do you, do you work with or do you plan to work with? Let's put it that way. <laughs> Uh, so, um, well, I have worked with Flutter. Even before I started working with Vue, I mm -hmm. used to work with Flutter, which I still currently do, right? Mm -hmm. um, also, I work with React. Um, the difference between working with React and Vue for me is that for React, I do it more, more when I am involved with personal projects or I have to get involved with uh, some technical writing or the other, right? I am not, I don't, uh, I also, you know, use React for, for those. So, but then essentially in building, I do more of view stuff. Um, 
some front-end tool that I intend to use going forward. Mm, I would say I'd like to have a look at Angular. It's a front-end tool I haven't tried out, right? And then I also feel like trying out React nat Native wouldn't hurt since I have good knowledge of JavaScript and all that, you know, encompasses in JavaScript ecosystem, yeah. Mm -hmm. Around here, React is a dirty word. No, I'm... I'm <laughs> but um, what about backend? What kind of backend tools do you focus on? Oh, well, for backend, I have dabbled into Node, GraphQL. Um, mm -hmm. Also, you know, using headless CMS because, you know, as an FE, as someone who majors in front-end development, I, I do more with um, working with headless CMS when working on personal projects, right? Not just working on a team. So mm -hmm. I've also dabbled in databases like Postgres, MySQL, uh, MongoDB, right? So mm -hmm. these are a few uh, backend related tools and technologies that I have been involved with. Right. So Node.js, have you any other languages like uh, PHP or Rust or Go or anything like that? <laughs> uh there's little knowledge of PHP from my end, but Rust isn't mm -hmm. a language I have worked with. Go isn't a language I have worked with. I actually intend to use Glow sometime in the Go sometime in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's one of the the two backend languages I hear more about than anything else. Are Rust and Go? It seems like just in terms of you know tooling and and making uh, other tools, not necessarily as for a web project, right, but just for for server-side tooling. They seem to be pretty quick, for sure. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about uh, Vue. So at One Liquidity, uh, you said you're using Vue. That's as your, your main uh, front-end tool. Is that correct? Mm -hmm. Yeah, we use Vue. So what version of Vue are you on? Uh, Vue 3. Vue 3. You are using Vue 3. So, mm -hmm. did you, so did you have to do a migration from Vue 2 to Vue 3? Uh, so at one liquidity from the ground up, we are we we just chose we chose to use Vue three already. Okay. So no okay, need for so my. you must be fairly anyway. recent then. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so Vue three from the beginning. Yeah, um, certainly I've been working with Vue three myself on a project, and it's uh, it's got some differences from Vue two. That's for sure. There's uh, there's some pain points. There's some pros and cons. You know, some things mm -hmm. just take a little getting used to. Uh, yeah, I know one of the nice things with Vue 3 is that out of the box, it supports TypeScript, mm -hmm. where if in Vue 2, if you wanted to use TypeScript, it was sort of painful. You sort of had mm -hmm. to add it on and do things a certain way. I tried a little bit and said, no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> Although I have to admit, I'm not really a full-time TypeScript devotee mm -hmm. myself. I, I know I need to get there for sure, but uh, haven't really embrace the TypeScript yet. So that'll transition us into your uh, post. I know that you had a blog post uh, that you wrote on your Medium page about mm. how, how to use TypeScript with Vue.js, your go-to guide. So why don't you tell us about uh, the benefits of TypeScript, just as a general, general rule before we get into how it's used in Vue. Okay. Um, so essentially, we, we need to come to know that TypeScript is a superset of JavaScript, right? Um, also, there is the need to know that JavaScript on its own is a dynamically typed language, right? But with TypeScript, you are able to 
um, declare specific types on a variable. So um, for me, I would say that JavaScript, or rather TypeScript, is basically um, JavaScript that empowers scalability. In my own words, that's how I will put it. And it can be a very beautiful union when you use TypeScript uh, in building complex view applications. So um, I would also say that for someone who has worked with Dart or who currently even works with Dart when working with Flutter, and for anyone out there who uses Java or C++, you would find that um, that nature of uh, static type checking is also involved in those languages. And that's what um, TypeScript does and, and excels in. Right. So I guess the way I would put it, you know, from a uh, non-user's uh, standpoint is that it basically it checks and it's 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 only checking when you're writing your code right it's not something that's mm -hmm. running in your production code right mm -hmm. so let's say for instance you're passing in a prop to a component mm. and it's supposed to be a string but for some reason you pass in a number mm. you know you try to pass in a number or a boolean or an array or an object or something else mm. the point of typescript is you will already have said okay this needs to be a string and then when your code tries to pass it in, it, it warns you, right? It gives you an alert and says, hey, no, you can't do this. It mm -hmm. gives you the famous red squiggly line. <laughs> yeah. So far, so good? Yeah. Okay. And then you can also, I we've incorporated a little bit into, into my work projects as well, where we'll have separate TypeScript files, we'll call them. And you can have, it doesn't have to be just, you know, this variable is a string and this variable is an array. You can have all kinds of complex types, right? You can have... Mm -hmm. If I'm calling this function, I need an array, this to be a string, this to be a number, and I need to have this properties, and uh, you can get very, very strict uh, with it. So the whole idea, obviously, is that you're um, you're not passing in invalid data that's going to cause errors when you actually try to run your app, you know, in production or in your browser. Did I get that right? Yeah, absolutely. Hashgroup does well to give um, a specific shape to a variable. You're right. Mm -hmm. Yeah, PHP is is pretty similar to JavaScript in that uh, it can be very loosey-goosey. You know, you can <laughs> declare a variable, you can be a string, and then all of a sudden you can make it an array or you can make it, you know, a number uh, mm -hmm. unless you've done some, some specific declarations and and uh, declarations, uh, you know, whether it's in doc blocks or, or various ways. So uh, PHP, I know, is moving that way that way as well just because mm. of the messes that you can create. <laughs> Flexibility is good as long as you <laughs> use it right, right? Cool. So so let's talk about uh, your blog post here um, and uh, where are the various places within a View 3 project that you would use TypeScript? Um, so for me, <laughs> essentially in, in, in all places that pertain to um, variable declaration. So while I'm using my props, while I'm passing props, while I'm defining emits, while I am defining a function, while I am defining a template ref, while I am defining provide and inject, right? Uh, I, don't, I don't essentially use those when, when working, I mean, for the most part of it, right? But those can also be used, right? TypeScript can also be used on provide and inject. Um, also, for computed properties as well, you can use TypeScript too.
one of the I'm, I'm looking at your blog post here. And so, for instance, uh, a reactive, you know, you use a ref or reactive and that's those are both tools to uh, to make a variable reactive so that if you change it in one place, it's going to be changed in another place, which is what you want. Right. So if you change mm -hmm. the data in a field then it's going to change your display value somewhere on the component or even elsewhere in your app. Mm -hmm. Right. So you could just define an interface or a, what would you call it? A type for this field that a says, type. okay, this yeah. is a, this is a string. This is a, this is a complex thing. Cause I know for, you know, with ref and reactive, you can have all kinds of levels of, uh, of, uh, data values. You could have a, uh, a whole object with, you know, three levels to it and mm -hmm. all that stuff that you can define in TypeScript, right? The decision to use, um, TypeScript comes from a place of um, say say you have a large team of developers, right, working on a project, and you need some some sense of increased development time or rather development speed on the job, right. You also want to encourage maintainable codes. Um, say you also want to ensure some sense of documentation while writing code then TypeScript does well to play a huge part in such. Because um, say I am not using TypeScript, for example, on a project, and I just declare, and I just um, define a variable, say, um, const, const name is equals to Uche, for example, right? Or const completed is equals to uh, true, for example. Let's use that. A developer elsewhere who might be jumping on your project might not know what I was trying to do right at the time. So he might then think that, oh, okay, he could also say const compute, uh, he could also rather use computed somewhere and, um, sorry, completed somewhere and um, say a string like yes, right, or, or, or no. But the use of TypeScript is in such a way that it gives our project some sense of shape so that all the developers working on a project can know um, how to define a variable while working with variables. So it's very useful even in cases when working on open source projects, large teams, um, taking care of errors ahead of um, building and things like that. So TypeScript really does well in helping cases in cases like that. Right. So in other words, the idea is that you don't have to explain something to a new developer that might come on the team because uh, ideally they could look at your TypeScript definitions, right? And know, okay, this is what is expected here and this is what expected here. And there's also the errors that TypeScript's gonna give them anyway, right? <laughs> That's usually yeah, a pretty yeah. good indication that you're doing something wrong. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's right. So now I know that uh, Vue itself, if I remember correctly, Vue 3 is written in TypeScript, the underlying, you know, the library that we're using. And so uh, when you spin up a Vue 3 project, you know, brand new, and I'm using, you know, working on one with Inertia.js <laughs> at the moment, <laughs> but you don't really have to do a lot of configuration or setup, right? Because it's built in uh, through through the base projects, through whether you're using the CLI or whatever tool you're using to spin up your project. Is that right? Oh, absolutely. That's right. 
Um, so essentially, View 3 was written with TypeScript, right, from the onset. So mm-hmm. uh, you could already just add TypeScript while you are bootstrapping a View project, while you're scaffolding a View project already. There's an option mm-hmm. to add it, and you could either choose yes or no, right? Mm-hmm. So choosing yes would have you including TypeScript in your project so easily and seamlessly, unlike when it was in View 3. Right. And so out of the box, other than, than you know, defining your different uh, TypeScript definitions and interfaces and whatever tool you're using uh, within your code, is there any external configuration you need to make before you actually start coding in TypeScript in your, in your Vue 3 project itself? Um, so I would say no, because already choosing to use TypeScript, right, from the point of scaffolding, from the point of view in it, or view create, view does the job for, for you. It sets all your scripts to a lang of TS, and you could choose to use setup or define components. But defining lang of TS on your script tags already just does the job for you of adding TypeScript to, to the script portion of your SFC file while coding. So mm-hmm. there is no complications elsewhere. There's no complication even while, while, while on the job, unlike how it was tedious in Vue 3, in Vue 2, where you had to always um, use the Vue.extend method or you have to use Vue class components or you know, things like that that were very tedious and stressful. Huh, okay. Yeah, I know that. And now the IDEs themselves that people use uh, also have a lot of... Uh, TypeScript capabilities built in. I use PHP Storm, which is a version of WebStorm. Myself, the other option, the other op- big one is is Visual Studio Code. Right, <laughs> yeah. that's the one you hear. The dominant one. I know they have a lot of TypeScript support built in, and it's nice when you're typing along and you come upon you know your method that has definitions and it just pops up with hints and and telling you what you know what's required and that kind of stuff for sure. Mm-hmm. Definitely pretty useful. Yeah, pretty useful. Um, are there any, when you're working with Vue 3 and TypeScript, are there any Vue specific, um, things that you have to be aware of when using TypeScript, say that you wouldn't run into in, uh, React or, uh, or any other uh, TypeScript implementation? Um, so I would say that. For any case where you need to be aware of anything while working with Vue, just as you mentioned, um, IDEs, because of course that's where we all write our codes. As a Vue developer, it's essential for you to use the Vola Vola plugin, Mm -hmm. right? So it really helps to to provide uh, IntelliSense around TypeScript and the use of TypeScript in your Vue projects. So if at all you may uh, come across any problems that is in the case that you have set up your view project with TypeScript from the scratch. Vola would do well to address and you know point it out for you as a problem. Mm-hmm. Um, if also you are trying to pass values that aren't uh, defined in probably your types or your interfaces, Vola would do well to provide squiggly lines for you. All right. Mm-hmm. Um, the Visual Studio Code also has done well to have TypeScript support, right? So it also does well to provide the squiggly lines for you where you are running into an error um, here or there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but essentially, 
um, just using uh, the just scaffolding with view from the ground up would do the job for you for mm -hmm. a seamless flow of things. And then also for those who probably haven't had to scaffold from the ground up and probably want to use um, TypeScript incrementally in their view projects, they can just uh, go the route of view add TypeScript and that does the job for them automatically. They really don't have to configure things. It just takes care of it. Why? Because Vue essentially was already built with TypeScript, so um, all the integrities are, are taken care of from the ground up. I know I'm going to have to take the plunge and learn TypeScript full-time here at some point. <laughs> I just haven't had time to do it. Um, cool. Uh, so is there anything else uh, TypeScript specific in Vue that uh, we haven't covered that uh, would be worth talking about? Um, I would say that, I would say that in as much as TypeScript has great positives, right? I, I feel like just because everyone is on the TypeScript wagon doesn't mean that you just jump in to use TypeScript without um, thinking about your own context, right? So say you have a tight deadline and you haven't used TypeScript before, it wouldn't be wise per se to use TypeScript on your project mm -hmm. because it has some kind of steep learning curve, right? And say you have uh, various developers working on your project and perhaps they haven't used TypeScript before. This means that all your developers would have to learn TypeScript in itself. And then remember, you have a tight deadline. So it might not be wise in itself, right, to go the TypeScript way in that, in that kind of context. Uh, what might be much more helpful would be uh, getting involved with uh, more of unit testing, right? Um, that would be much more helpful for a context like that. But say you are working with um, data on data-heavy projects, then essentially it would be very helpful that TypeScript is your go-to because you don't want to lose, you don't want to lose um, the structure of data across the project, right? Because that might be uh, disastrous moving forward, even for you and for anybody who comes in on the project. Yeah, okay, but but let's assume that you don't have those time constraints, right? You've got all the time mm -hmm. in the world. Um, you know, you don't have an urgency. In that point, in that case, there's really, can you see any reason it wouldn't be good to implement TypeScript in a view project? Hmm, good question. <laughs> so the question <laughs> essentially is that uh, you have all the time in the world Right? right, but still, what what context could it be not helpful to use TypeScript? Right, right. Uh, I would say if you aren't working on a data-heavy project, if you're working on a minor project, uh, a very small pet project, a personal project, you probably want to uh, scaffold something for a technical writing that you're currently doing. I would say, uh -huh. except it's tailored for TypeScript in itself. I would say that uh, there might not be a need to add it to the project. Um, because remember, we were all using Vue 2 without TypeScript. And we were doing well. We were building uh, great projects with, with, without TypeScript. Um, so if it's a small project, I would say that one can pass without the need for TypeScript in it. It's a very small project. But a big one, a complex project, uh, Vue TypeScript would be a beautiful union. I would say. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that I've I've heard a number of people 
uh, in the tech world, some more prominent than others. And I can remember listening to them, you know, say a year or two ago, there's one particular one that comes to mind that, well, yeah, TypeScript's <laughs> okay. I, you know, as long as I put uh, defaults and, and uh, type requirements on my props when I pass them in, I don't really need it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I've got other tools and, you know, fast forward a year or two and they're like, oh my gosh, I use TypeScript on everything. I can't imagine programming without it. You know, uh, so it's, uh, it's been interesting. And I was listening to another podcast this morning and one of the, yeah. uh, one of the things they mentioned is in the most recent state of JS survey, mm-hmm. uh, mm-hmm. that came out in regards to TypeScript, uh, mm-hmm. among those who had actually responded to the survey, mm-hmm. the use of TypeScript was just huge. Mm-hmm. It was, you know, most people, either they know about it, um, they like it, they use it, mm-hmm. you know, they use it as much as they can. And I'm, I was looking for the data here real quick and, and I'm not finding <laughs> the, the, uh, uh, the particular page, but it's just huge how, how much TypeScript has grown. So, you know, and I don't think we're saying anything new. You'll hear the same uh, perspective around uh, in many other places talking about front-end development, mm-hmm. for sure. So, all right, well... If that's it, unless there's anything else you can think of to talk, we'll move on to picks. Uh, do we cover everything TypeScript in view? Yeah, I feel like we did. I feel like we did. I feel okay, like we good. did. All right. So uh, let's move on to picks. Picks are the part of the show where we get to talk about other things uh, that maybe are not uh, related uh, to tech, it can be, you know, we've had books, games, food, movies, uh, <laughs> tools. Uh, so anyway, I'll go first. Okay. And uh, before I get to my uh, my usual dad jokes that are the high point of, of any <laughs> of my podcasts, um, yeah. uh, talk about a book slash movie. So uh, my son is uh, 11. Mm. And for years, we've uh, read every night. I, I read to him. I've gone through some Classics, Lord of the Rings, Chronicles of Narnia, uh, the Bible. And one of the books that we read recently was sort of interesting. I was down at my parents' house visiting them, and and I forgot to bring the book that we were reading. So I went <laughs> to my, my uh, parents' library mm. and our bookshelf and found a book that I hadn't read for years, and it's called The Hiding Place. Mm. And The Hiding Place is a true story. And it was uh, written by a lady named Corey Ten Boom. And the background is, is that she was uh, living with her family in Harlem uh, up when World War II started. Mm. And uh, the Nazis came in in, I think it was 1940, and invaded Holland and took it over in about five days. Mm. And they started coming after the Jews and uh, basically carting them off or taking away their homes, their businesses, eventually carting them off to concentration camps. And mm-hmm. so through her brother, uh, Corey lived in a small house in Harlem uh, with her older sister and her father, and they were watchmakers. Uh, they owned a watch shop. And they became part of the Dutch underground and mm-hmm. hid Jews from the Nazis. They had they built a custom little, first they would, they would house them in their, in their house uh, called the Beje, B-E-G-E, B-E-J-E. Yeah. And they built a secret room so that when the Nazis came hunting, they could all get away in the secret room. Well, eventually, uh, a Dutch informer 
turned them into uh, turned them into the Nazis for being part of the underground, and their whole family was taken off. And yeah. Corey and her sister uh, were deported, uh, taken to initially to a prison, uh, a Dutch prison there, that was taken over for political prisoners, and then eventually taken to a concentration camp in Germany called Ravensbrück. And mm. the book, and she came out alive. Um, her sister died while she was in the concentration camp, uh, probably a month before Corey was released. And it turns out that when Corey was released uh, in, on, yeah, I think it was December 30th of 1944, not too long before the war ended, it was a clerical mistake on the Germans' part. Um, and But she was released. And then she ended up uh, telling her story, which came to the book. And then the movie was uh, made in 1975. Yeah, uh, but she went around the world speaking and talking about what had happened to her and and so on for years until she died in 1980, somewhere in her late 80s. But it's a very fascinating uh, history of yeah. what was happening uh, in the concentration camps and in in Holland during World War II, and just the redemption and a lot of great things that came out of it. As, as horrible as it was, a lot of the, the great things that came out of that camp. But anyway, that's my recommendation for a book and a movie. <laughs> The movie's yeah. pretty good. It's about two and a half hours long, and there's no way it can cover all the details that are in the <laughs> uh, in the uh, movie. But yeah, it's still a great uh, a great story. So on to the dad jokes, and then we will get on to Uzi's picks. <laughs> so uh, I was recently, or not recently, because I've had my job mm -hmm. for a while. In the past, I had a job as a taxi driver, mm -hmm. and I got fired because it turns out that people don't always appreciate it when you go the extra mile. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I have a lot nice. of, of childhood memories, and one of my favorite childhood memories was building sandcastles with my grandfather. But then my mother took the urn away. <laughs> I was playing with his ashes, right? right. And then finally, uh, you know, one of my uh, favorite uh, lines uh, is that when I die, when I'm going to have a closed casket funeral, right? So caskets yeah. up in front. But halfway through the ceremony, I want the organist to start playing Pop Goes the Weasel over and over <laughs> and over until people are freaking out. Is he really going to come out, right? So this at the same ceremony, uh, what I want them to do is I want them to take the bouquet off the casket and throw <laughs> it into the crowd to see who's next. <laughs> right? Freak people out. So anyway. Those are my picks and jokes for the week. So, Uche, what do you have for us for picks? Uh, uh, <laughs> picks are funny. Your dad jokes are funny because because I, I I love dark jokes. Yeah, I love dark humor. So I found them so quite funny. Um, well, my my first pick might be would be talking about a Firescape, right? Uh, okay. I feel like I, I could share uh, insight to it because um, it would be nice to get contributors for for the project, right? So um, I, I have a link for my Buy Me a Coffee uh, aimed at um, enabling this for the girl child through tech, essentially in a place like Nigeria. So uh -huh. the, girl, the, girl, the girl child here in Nigeria isn't seen to be someone who uh, is involved in tech, right? Uh, even when she goes to school, you would find that in the university, for example, here, the ratio of the girl child to the boy child in class 
that is uh, tech-related, say computer science class, is very little. I would say there might be a girl child to maybe 20 guys, right, mm-hmm. studying computer science in school here. So mm-hmm. uh, for the sake of providing computer equipment, materials, workshop sessions, to do more, because, I mean, I'm currently doing, right, but there is a need for more, right? I have also attached my Buy Me A Coffee link, right, to help... Um, do more. So that's regarding Half-Life Skip. Um, I would move on to movies, right? So I saw this movie early today and I'm like, nah, I have to tell Steve about this. So it's <laughs> so it's it's actually a series, right, that started on Amazon Prime, uh-huh. right? And the name is Fartsy. Fartsy. I haven't watched it yet, but I saw that it started this month. February, I think it was 10 or 19, right? Mm. Just a week ago. Fartsy, F-A-R-Z-I, F-A-R-Z-I. Oh, okay, gotcha. Yeah, so uh, I guess that's something you could check out, Steve. If you were a fan of Money Heist, you might be a fan of Fartsy. Fartsy, what's it, do you know what's it about in general? Uh, so I, I know, I know, I don't know much about it, but um, seeing the trailer and watching the little... Uh, things that were written of it, it seems like it's on the lines of Money Heist. And I found Money Heist very interesting. So I just okay. feel like it's something I might be interested in. And I'm just telling everyone who's listening to this to just check it out. And, you know, um, yeah, you might cool. just find it worthy. Yeah, it looks like that's the the fakes is the is the English word in Farsi as a translation. Uh, not sure what language I'm looking at the page on on Amazon right now, but I'll drop a link into the show notes so then people can check it out themselves. Cool. Uh, that and you said Money Heist was the other one. No, no, no. For anyone who was a fan of Money Heist, then they right, might right. enjoy Fatsy. Right, Money Heist. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I'll drop some. We'll put some links in the show notes uh, <laughs> so that people can can check those out. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, thank you for coming to us all the way from Nigeria. We, like I always like to say, we are a truly multinational podcast here at Views on View. And talking about TypeScript, if people want to uh, follow you, whether it's mm. on Twitter or social media or give you money, uh, mm. where's uh, where's the best ways to do that? Um, for me, on almost every social platform, I am Uche Azubuko. So on Twitter, I am Uche Azubuko. On LinkedIn, I am Uche Azubuko. On GitHub, I am Uche Azubuko. Uh, you can also find me at Uche Azubuko. On, I mean, if you search it, you will find me on Instagram. So virtually on every platform, buy me a coffee, Uche Azubuko. So yeah, that's it. Okay, cool. We will put all those links in the show notes for those who wish to follow you. And to give you money for uh, her Thrivescape, I'm, I'm going to guess you you could use people too, not just money, but people to help you out. Oh, yes, essentially. Essentially, I, I am also looking for volunteers who would join me on this great project. To help yeah, I know there's been other out. groups. There used to be one called View Vixens that I remember I haven't heard from in a while. But I know there are other groups that are similar that, you know, want to help uh, women get into tech just because there aren't as many of them as, as maybe... There should be, for sure. (laughs) So anyway, all right. Well, thank you for coming on, Uche. Great to talk to you. And we will talk at you all next time on Views on View. 